You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. by the Saints for a touchdown! Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60! To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Hey, y'all. Who dat? And welcome in. I am Jeff Nowak, and this is Inside Black and Gold. We are coming at you with a special 53-man roster edition of the podcast. I say we. It's just me, solo. Steve Geller's getting the night off. Actually, he just hosted a show on WWL Radio, so we're giving him a pass on this one. But I did want to come on here and break down the roster and kind of some quick takeaways on what we saw. It was a busy day. There was some surprises, not a ton of surprises, but some notable surprises. So we're going to get into that in the second half of the program. We're going to do a mailbag. So if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, make sure to get your comments or questions in the feed and we'll corral them all and get to as many as possible in the second half of this program. But first things first, let's hear from the myth, the man himself. It's Blake Groupie. Yeah, I mean, every single day I know I had to bring it. Um, the guy's been here and he's done it. Um, so to see a guy that's done it like that, you uh, you know, you pick up on things. You know, you know that you every single day you have to go out and do it because you know dang well that he is. Um, and so you know, it's 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 a guy that's done it, and you know, I couldn't ask for a better competition and a better guy to do it against. That was Blake Groupie. No, he is not a 17 year old. He is the Saints' new place kicker. And, you know, good for him. We watched him throughout camp, and I feel like I don't think he could have done better, right? Like, you you, you look at a guy and you say, okay, how can he take advantage of his opportunities? He did that. I mean, he barely missed any kicks. The only kick he missed in the preseason games was a 60-yarder, which, you know, I've seen Lutz hit a 60-yarder once. But any time you're getting that chance in a game – well, Lutz's first career game, he got a chance at a 60-plus yarder against the Raiders, and he missed, and the Saints didn't hold it against him. So they didn't hold it against Groupie either. And if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me say this over the last few weeks. The trade that made the most sense to me was Will Lutz to the Broncos, where he could rejoin Sean Payton. Sean gets a guy that he knows, and the Saints stick with Blake Groupie. And the real question was, how confident are you really in Blake Groupie? Because if you are, 
then you can put your money where your mouth is and just keep the young guy. And that's what happened. They sent the Saints sent Will Lutz to the Broncos for his seventh round pick. And you know, you're gonna we're gonna see what we get. Now, that wasn't the only specialist move of the day, because you also had the Aussie himself, Lou Headley, all 6'2", 220 pounds of him. I think he might be 6'4", actually. 30 years old, beats out Blake Gillikin. He's a 30-year-old rookie. The irony being Blake Gillikin's only 25. Blake Gillikin is significantly younger than the unproven rookie punter that you're keeping around. And, you know, this one surprised me, even though I was probably on the early side of saying, no, this is a real punter battle. We have to see what happens. But I hadn't seen anything significant to give Headley the edge there other than, you know, it, the, the money makes sense. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't think that Blake Gillikin was ever really endeared to this coaching staff. And when you look at some of these moves, I think one of the things that stands out is this is Dennis Allen's team now, and he is making sure that he's able to put his stamp on this team and own it, right? If he goes down in flames, he's going to go down in flames with his staff, with the players that he likes, right? With, with his decisions. And last year, I don't think you ever got that. Last year, I think what you ended up seeing way too much of was the Saints trying to extend the Sean Payton era rather than allow Dennis Allen to create something that he fit, that he felt comfortable in, and go from there. Does it work? Now, that's another question entirely. But you have to appreciate the process a lot more than, you know, if if his if Dennis Allen's tenure was just to be a Sean Payton also ran for two years, hard to respect that. At least this one, if you go down in flames with the quarterback you want, with your defensive coordinator, with the, the specialists you cho- you chose, right? With the draft picks that you that you engineered, then at least you can say you gave it you gave it the, the try it deserved, right? So, and I think that's kind of where you're at because I have seen a more confident Dennis Allen this offseason. and uh, here he is talking about the decisions on both specialists. Uh, tough, real tough. Um... You know, well, that's been a good kicker for us for for a while now, and so that was obviously a you know a tough decision. Um, and uh, look, we we felt like we had a chance to get value for a player, and we felt like we had another guy in the building that we had confidence in. So uh, those are always challenging situations. With with both of the undrafted rookie kicker and punter, was it, was it just that you know they exceeded expectations and, and like almost made it sort of an undrafted? Well, look, I, I don't know if it was undeniable. I mean, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation to be in, but yet it's a good situation because we felt like, you know, of those four, we had four guys that are NFL caliber players. And so, um, you know, we decided to, to go with the young guys. Does being younger, cost-effective, longer contracts, does that? Look, there's a lot of things that go into, uh, you know, roster decisions. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we basically took everything to, into account when we made these decisions. What about Blake's makeup makes you feel like he's the guy? Um, well, I, I don't know if it's necessarily about the makeup. Um, you know, certainly I think he's a confident young man, but um, I think it's really just about 
the fact that he's he's gone out and performed and performed well. Um, and so, um, and look, everybody, every player at some point has been his first opportunity, you know. And and so, uh, I don't think we're unique in that situation. But yeah, so one of the things that stood out to me there was, you know, <laughs> I think the factor in this that no one's talking about is was Sean Payton only willing to trade for Will Lutz? And I, to me, I think that might be what what you're, you know, if there's a tiebreaker here and you can get a seventh round pick for a guy and you can just cut the other guy, then, you know, I think it does make sense to get something rather than nothing. And I, I have a feeling that that was a factor. I don't think it was the only factor. I think Blake did kick well enough to win that job. I think Will kicked well enough to win that job. But I also think when we talked to Will after Sunday's game, I mean, you could tell just by his mannerisms, he he just seemed, I don't know, deflated. Like it felt like he knew at that point that he was not going to be the kicker here. So either way, it's we're, you're setting up a situation where, you know, put up or shut up. You know, these guys are going to get their chance. Don't blow it, right? And if you end up in a situation where, you know, think two years ago when you didn't have Will and you were cutting kickers left and right. You could not find a kicker to save your life. You couldn't make a point after to save your life. If you end up there again because you cut Will, because you cut a guy who was reasonably consistent, although he was struggling last year, man, this move is going to get scrutinized to no end. The punter, I think you can – it's really tough to gauge the differences between a really good punter and a really average punter. And so the, even if Lou doesn't go – to the expectations you probably have for him, you can live with it. Um, but the Blake Groupie, yeah, I mean, he's got another BG on the roster, and uh, he's going to have to show up. Now, let's change gears here and go to the other position on this roster where there was kind of a bombshell move, and that's defensive back. Now, I've put out a handful of these roster projections, and I feel like I nailed the, de- the defensive back room pretty well. The only player that I did not have correct was Bradley Roby, which no one had correct because no one saw this coming this morning when the Saints just cut Bradley Roby. They were not able to get an asset for him. I'm guessing it was because of the contract he was on. Why would you pay somebody on a kind of a weird contract when you know you can sign him for the vet minimum anyway and he's going to be there if he wants to be there, right? You're trading for a guy you don't know what his demeanor is going to be when he shows up. It's, a, it's harder than it sounds to pull off that kind of trade you only see you know a dozen of them every year where it's like, okay, I'd rather have something than nothing. Um, and it just didn't work out. And so they cut Bradley Roby. And so to me, that means a couple things. One, it means that your boy, Alante Taylor, is going to be the guy in the slot. He's going to have to be. And, you know, I, I didn't expect that. I expected them to go with Roby. But you know, I, I think that there is this there's this point to you have to get to where Alante's got to play. He's too good to not play. How can you get him on the field? That's how. And were you going to bench Bradley Roby to get him on the field? I don't think that would work either. So you go move on from Bradley and you keep, which I think this is the other factor, and a guy I've talked about a good bit, you keep Isaac Yadam on the roster, a guy who is going to contribute big time on special teams and has played very well in the defense right throughout the preseason. He has had at least one interception. He had an interception against the Chargers. He's made a couple good plays. Like, he's a guy who fits. Whereas if you have to put somebody on the bench and not give them regular snaps, Bradley Roby doesn't fit. 
So I think that's where you're at. Now, would you have liked to see this done sooner? Yes, I would have. I would have much rather seen. That's why it kind of doesn't make a ton of sense because if you were going to do this, then you would have wanted to be getting Alante Taylor first team reps or Ugo Amadi first team reps. Another guy who I think is going to factor in the slot. You didn't, and now you have to kind of just go with it because I don't think Alante has looked that good in the slot. That said, we talked to him today, and he said one of the things that's helpful about this now is he's able to just drop the competition, which he already told us previously he wasn't too locked in on in terms of he was just working on getting better. He wasn't going to spend too much time in too much mind space on, oh, what's this competition? How am I stacking up with the competition? The competition was the competition. But now he's able to just focus entirely on the slot. And I think you put him anywhere on the field, he will be good there eventually. He's got to learn. And that's the only gripe I have about this is if you were going to move on from Bradley, you should have done it way earlier. Um, the rest of the DB room, I'm in love with. I have no issues with any other decision. I'll, the, like I said, the other nine guys, other than Isaac Yadam, I had on here in my projection, obviously, Marshawn, Paulson, Alante, and then Ugo Amadi and Lonnie Johnson. I have had them on the roster since day one. Both have been very good in what they've been asked to do. Ugo, I think he might be your backup returner. I talked to him about it today, and uh, he said something along the lines of, I'm sitting on G waiting for the O. I, I don't know. It was it was weird. But, um, you know, he's a guy who has returned before. He's been doing it for a while, and I expect if you do need someone in that role, he might be the first one off the bench to field a punt. Um, Jordan Howden I talked to today as well, and, you know, he's dedicated to special teams, and he showed up on special teams in the preseason finale. And I think, you know, if you were had any questions about what his role was going to be, there you go. You know, the the next question is going to be, if Marcus May gets suspended, who is that safety that steps in? He's Jordan's learned both spots. I think it would probably be Jordan alongside Tyron. And, you know, he's going to take his lumps as a rookie in that position if he has to be in it. But, you know, I don't, I don't see an alternative unless it's JT Gray, which, you know, he's going to take his lumps too. Uh, as much as I love JT Gray for what he is, he is not the guy you want starting at safety. Now, going down the line, you know, Anthony Johnson is a guy I expect to see on special teams. I'm bummed he couldn't make it onto the roster, but it's a deep roster. You had to cut Bradley Roby. That's how deep it is. Smoke Monday, eh, Jonathan Abram, Troy Pry Jr., Adrian Fry. You know, these are all guys that I don't think had a ton of upside in terms of making this roster. None of them really showed um, what you needed them to show to, to carve out a spot. Smoke, as much as I like Smoke, he didn't show up enough. I expect him to be on the practice squad. It's important to remember he's basically a rookie. So, you know, they don't want to overreact to guys getting cut. I talked to DA about this today. It's like when you're looking at a lot of these UDFAs, and obviously the specialists, the two specialists made it, no other rookie UDFAs made the roster. There's a lot of them. There were a lot of them out there. Anthony Orgy is a guy that I felt pretty good about. I had him on a couple of my projections, but I dropped him late. Um, we can go into linebacker here in a second. And, you know, one of the things you'll see is, okay, that first year is kind of a developmental year. You're figuring out where you are and you're figuring out who has upside. And then that year two is where you have a chance to make the roster. You saw a guy, Nephi Sewell, make the roster. You saw Kirk Merritt make the roster as a running back. And so for a guy like... Anthony Orgy, for a guy like Shaq Davis, you're going to be kept around, I imagine, and you just have to continue to develop. And so, like, you say, like, wow, why'd they cut him? Well, it's it's all part of the process. Um, you see that I have the linebackers up here. Now you only kept five, and to me that is an indicator 
because I think you want six that you're going to stash somebody on IR and probably bring back a Jalen Smith. I was surprised they didn't keep Ryan Connolly on the roster to do that with him. He's dealing with a knee injury. You know, you kind of go from there, but a guy like Landon Young, maybe a Traquan Smith, although I don't think his injury is that significant. Um, and then a Kirk Merritt, maybe, but again, I don't think his injury is significant enough to merit just saying, okay, I didn't, that was an accident. Uh, it's a merit a month that you, that you're dedicated to not having them on the roster, but we'll see either way. I do feel slightly vindicated here because I was trying to tell people that Jalen Smith was not a lock to make this roster and no one would believe me. No one would listen to me. It's the same way I told everyone early on that Paulson Debo was going to win the outside cornerback battle and no one would believe me. No one would listen to me. And, and here we are. Anyway, I digress. You know, we can we can go through the defensive line. I don't think we even have to talk about it. It's exactly who you would have expected it to be. Nico Lalos uh, is probably going to be on the practice squad. And, you know, maybe you can get him onto the roster if there are injuries later in the year. But otherwise, I feel really good about that position. This one surprised me. Offensive line, you did keep nine. One of them is Max Garcia. I expected the Saints to try to stash that center on the practice squad, just like Josh Andrews last year. They used the roster spot on it. I don't hate it because I don't love the idea of forcing Cesar Ruiz to be your backup center, which would be the case if you did not have one on the active roster. So I'm okay with that. What I will say is right now, you do not have a backup right tackle on the roster. And so, like I said with Jalen Smith, Storm Norton or... TBA, right? To be determined uh, or player TBD <laughs> is that guy. And he might be getting cut from another roster. I don't know, but you're going to have to sign somebody as a right tackle. And I think you're going to move Landon Young to IR and bring in somebody. Now it might be Storm. It might be somebody else. Storm Norton has been getting the right tackle reps at the backup spot. So that's why I'd lean towards him. But you know, it, it's, it could be, it could be a number of people. Tight end. You know, Lucas Krull is probably the only player that I look at and say, yeah, he has a very good chance of being snatched up on waivers. And, you know, it's not even about him developing beyond anything that we knew about already. It's just the fact that the Saints were in, in prime time the other night. They're on national television and he had a seven catch, 106 yard game. Anyone watching that game who was unaware of Lucas Krull is now aware of Lucas Krull. You know, I, I still think it's not not necessarily a high percentage that he gets claimed on waivers because waiver claims are actually a lot more rare in these instances than you'd think. You know, you, you think how difficult it is for the Saints to cut down to 53. Every team in the NFL is doing the same thing. They're all cutting down to 53. So, like, one of the reasons I don't expect a ton of waiver claims for the Saints is, okay, who else are you cutting? You already cut 37 guys. That was hard enough. You're going to cut more to, to take someone else, to take a player from someone else's roster that was not good enough to make it there. You know, that's... That's where I think people overestimate the likelihood of these waiver claims. But, you know, one guy that I think caught everyone by surprise, and I think the reason is, you know, he was hurt and everyone kind of lost track of him, but Kirk Merritt, he made this roster and good for him, right? It's a guy who has changed positions, has worked incredibly hard, dealt with a hamstring injury in camp. He got another injury against the Chargers, but I think it's more precautionary and why I say that is, you know, if he was fighting for the roster, if he was in doubt, probably would have come back and played hurt. I think what, what happened is they felt good about it. And then they, they kind of gave him the indication that, you know, you're probably going to make it and you don't have to do that. And uh, so just good for him. I mean, I don't know how long he's going to stay on the roster. I don't know uh, what his role is going to be. But when you're a UDFA 
and you can make it onto the roster in year two. Look at Jawan Johnson. You know, that's where you get your chance. And uh, I know Dennis Allen is a, is just a, a guy who loves positional versatility. And that that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, and and like you can go through all of the roster projections. You can go through mine. You can go through anyone who covers the Saints. I guarantee you they did not have Kirk Merritt on their final roster projection because, you know, he kind of just fell off the radar. Um, the last position I'll talk about here, wide receiver, you know, nothing hugely surprising. This is basically how I had it set up. I did. You know, I I was the guy who all throughout camp was like, Traquan's going to make it. Traquan's going to make it. And then and then I got, you know, I, 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 I couldn't help myself. I saw the injury. He was out three weeks. I was like, maybe this is the this is the final nail in the Traquan Smith coffin where you miss three weeks of camp and we can't justify keeping you on the roster. Can't do it. Well, I was wrong. They kept him on the roster. I don't know if they're going to stash him on IR. I, I don't know what the plan is, but either way, Traquan Smith is eternal, it seems. You know, John Trey Kirkland, I thought for a second he might make this roster. He was one of the last cuts. I think he's going to be a special teams guy. I'm sorry, I think he's going to be a practice squad guy. Um, and he'll go from there. Lynn Bowden Jr. is another guy I think had a decent chance to make this roster and an injury might have done him in a little bit. And then Shaq Davis, you know, I really like Shaq Davis. I think his team, his roster really likes Shaq Davis. And they're going to get him on the practice squad and uh, go from there. And hopefully next year he can continue to develop. Or maybe later this year he can keep developing and do what Rashid Shaheed did last year. Like everyone talks about Rashid Shaheed. They don't, they never talk about the fact that he got cut out of camp, right? He ended up on the practice squad. Now they did a better job of hiding him uh, in those last couple of preseason games. But, you know, it's not that, that unusual of a route to see a guy get cut, thrown on the practice squad, and then come back. Um, Juwan Johnson. Right, like he did the exact same thing, and you're and you're going to go from there. But all in all, you know, with the with the specialists notwithstanding, I think you saw a pretty ho hum day of cuts. Um, Bradley Roby got things started early, and I'm fascinated to see where Bradley ends up. I think he is still a high quality corner in the NFL, and some team's going to end up with him, and some team's going to start him. <laughs> uh, and the Saints are going to have to, you know, if that's a move that, you know, while I can understand the logic behind it, if you end up in a situation like last year where you are without Marshawn Lattimore for a few games, you're without Paul Nadebo for a few games, and you end up starting guys who have no business starting, like you had to start Chris Harris last year, uh, <clears throat> you're going you're gonna to be ruining that, that cut. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Bradley, Bradley will also uh, – Bradley will gladly – um, revel in that just like CJ did last year um, but alright let's wrap up that segment we're going to come back and we're going to go into the mailbag we're going to answer some viewer questions on the 53 man roster this is Inside Black and Gold I'm Jeff Nowak you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak follow the show at Saints underscore pod make sure you have subscribed wherever you get your podcasts if you're listening on Apple Podcasts make sure to leave a rating and a review or wherever you get your podcasts if they allow ratings do that we appreciate it feedback's always helpful and uh without further ado let's hit the break and dive into that mailbag 